Welcome everyone to the So Fresh So Prince podcast. My name is Andrew Apple and today we get to enjoy Will and Lisa not getting married. One might not think that that wouldn't be a great episode, but that's not the case. This is a really fun episode, which you probably remember because it features Isaac Hayes playing fake Isaac Hayes. I know, it sounds a little weird, but we'll get into it in the episode. So, we don't want to wait any longer. This is Season 5, Episode 18, The Wedding Show, Psych, Lorenzo, Roll the Theme Song. So this episode actually resonated with me in a lot of ways because I could equate a lot of what Lisa and Will were feeling to my own experiences because when you have a big wedding that your parents are paying for, they expect certain things not unlike what Uncle Phil was expecting in this episode. If only it were that easy. Well, that's what's interesting about it, though, is that part of the reason that it was working this way really is because of the fact that Will is an adult. Uncle Phil can say to Will, Will, no, this is how it needs to happen. Now, had it been Hillary's wedding, she would have gotten everything she wanted, including having Trevor ride in on a pony dressed like a unicorn. Well, yeah, that's what weddings are for. They're for the bride. You're just a placeholder. I mean, you're a really special placeholder, but you're just a placeholder. Well, that just makes me feel less special, even though I know it's true. (laughs) The truth hurts sometimes. It's like, have you ever heard of a husband getting his dream wedding? No, because guys don't care about marriage. The, The only time I've seen a guy really excited to get married was when he was marrying another guy. (laughs) Now, in what scenario... Would the catering be hot wings and pizza? And there would be screens of every game of every channel of ESPN. That's like the perfect groom wedding. True. But that's what the bachelor party or the bachelor weekend ends up being. When the wedding actually happens, there's much more concern about uh, the amuse-bouche and whether you're going to have a band or a DJ. Well, see, here's the thing. You only have a band if people can sing or they're entertaining while singing drunk. If that's not the case, you get a DJ. Well, if you can afford the cost, there actually are a lot of benefits to having a band. Specifically, live music is always just more fun, but also it's a lot more customizable. You know, you can have more of a jam session with a band than you can with a DJ. Yeah. But that's where this whole episode starts off because Will is the one who wants to have their wedding. He wants to have the wedding that Lisa wants to have. And Uncle Phil's take is, I'm paying for 300 people to show up at the country club so I get to invite all the people that I need to brown nose because they donated to my campaign over the years yeah see this is a very rich version of what i see a lot of people do i'm gonna spend money 
to show you how much money I have. But also, let's not forget, we know how much money Uncle Phil has. Yeah, but there's also this principle. Maybe it's a rich principle and somebody needs to loan me millions of dollars so I can experiment with this. But however much you're willing to give away or just throw away, that lets people know. That's unfortunately more of a hood rich stereotype. No, no, it's just different when it comes to Republicans. With with hood rich, you spend your money everywhere. With uh, Republicans or judges or politicians, it's where you spend the most. But from watching everything I know about investors, which is, of course, on Shark Tank, <laughs> you listen to Mr. Wonderful, and what does he say? He says, I will never walk into a Starbucks. I have a cup of coffee every morning. It costs me 19 cents. If I were to get a small cup of coffee from Starbucks, oh, excuse me, a tall cup of coffee at Starbucks, it would cost me $1.45 plus tax. So I'm going to spend 19 cents and then take the rest of that $1.45 and invest it so I can get more money. See, that's where they spend money. They invest. Ha. But investing money isn't tangible. Like, there's nothing sexy about, hey, would you like to see this bond I just bought from the Argentinian <laughs> government? Well, if you think about it, paying for the wedding is is like paying for a bond. I mean, it is paying for a bond. A bond of love. Yes. I totally understand what you're saying, and it's completely legitimate, but... At the end of the day, if a wedding is done well, it's really just an excuse to get a bunch of people together so that they can have fun and drink and enjoy each other's company, even if it's somewhat double-handed in Uncle Phil's case because he does want to show everyone, hey, hey, look at this beautiful child that I've raised into a good young man who's getting married to a wonderful woman, then everything is happening on the right side of the tracks. Yeah, see, it's it would be perfect to have uh, Mr. Firth give a speech there because then he could say, I met this young rap scallion a long time ago. I, I can't do his uh, accent justice, but, you know, I'm imagining it would sound something like that. Now, would he be wearing a standard tuxedo or would he be wearing a white tuxedo a la John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever? Because the last time we saw him, he was dressed like Don Johnson in Miami Vice. Well, that's like wife number four when, you know, you're going on trips to Miami in the Keys. Uh, I think he'd clean it up and spruce it up for a wedding. Fair enough. By the way, kids, if you haven't seen Miami Vice, it is the epitome of cheese. Like Before we had... Uh, the Hills or Laguna Beach or whatever that new one on MTV is, Hacienda Heights or something. I don't actually remember the name of it. Uh, we had cheesy scripted shows like Miami Vice and just ignore the movie with Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx is good in everything he does, but that movie makes no sense. It's Miami Vice. It's not supposed to make sense. But that's what we love about it. Yeah. All right, so I want to jump into the B story of this really quickly because this is actually one of the biggest sitcom tropes that nobody remembers as a sitcom trope, and that is 
having a character be audited by the IRS. When you make a lot of money, people, pay your taxes. You know what? Here's the thing. You don't even have to pay all the taxes. You just need someone who knows the tax code really well and says things like, if you invest in wind turbines, they're not going to charge you any taxes on the profits because they want people to invest in renewable energy. So you should put $100,000 in that. That's not illegal. That's just intelligence. Uh, what also is intelligent is know who you're investing with and know what you're investing in because she didn't even understand that there was a Carlton Co. Yeah, so Carlton, who was Hillary's business manager and was responsible for investing all of her money, was embezzling the money into a company called Carlton Co. Yeah. This leads us into a very interesting comment about Carlton because I recognize Carlton is black. Like when he walks outside, it doesn't matter how well he dresses, he is going to have to deal with all the stigma that comes with racism and bigotry just based on the color of his skin. But for the life of me, I need to figure out a word for the distinction of what he is doing because even though he's black, he is a master of white-collar crime. I believe the name uh, Kaiser Soze comes to mind. It's like, it's a little Kaiser Soze. It's a little Gordon Gecko. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's just hedging his bets. He's probably got a couple Swiss accounts and whatnot, you know, just in case the big guy takes a big one a little early. You know what he'd be, he's going to be invested in, in the reboot? Bitcoin. I, look, I believe in Bitcoin. Do you have any Bitcoin? That's either here nor there, but no, no, I don't. <laughs> you, you, you're all in Litecoin and Ethereum? Well, see, here's my thing about Bitcoin. I feel like it's real-life monopoly. So it's fake money that maybe one day will be worth real money? Yeah. I mean, we bet on everything else. Why not bet on uh, being rich? Touche. But yeah, if you can go get some Bitcoin or... If you're good at mining Bitcoin, send us a message over at SoFreshSoPrints.com. We've got some pretty nice uh, GPUs built into our rigs, so we could definitely do some mining. I, I like it. And, and look, it's not illegal like Carlton Co. Which, here's the interesting thing. Now, obviously, we are not tax attorneys, nor are we uh, people who have MBAs. But I would have to question whether or not it's actually illegal to have someone invest in a company that the person who's telling them to invest in it is already invested in. Because, like, money managers, like, let's say, you know, I'm managing your money and I'm saying you need to invest in Bitcoin, there's nothing stopping me from investing in Bitcoin. It's only illegal if... I'm putting money into Bitcoin and then putting your money into Bitcoin and then putting a bunch of people's money into Bitcoin to get the price of Bitcoin up and then dumping all my Bitcoin. You sound like you, uh, you've you got a little Madoff in your blood right there. I'm hurt and offended, and I feel like that's a slightly <laughs> racist statement because I am a Jew. 
Uh, now, if you'll excuse but, uh, me, I am going to go and play with the weather machine that the Jews definitely don't have. <laughs> I am so sorry. I'm just I'm just saying, you know, it just and you know, the funny thing, you don't really need as much uh, accreditation to be a money manager just because of the title. Yeah, that, that's the thing about being a manager Anytime you're a manager of something, you actually required little to no accreditation. Like if you are a talent manager in Hollywood, you don't need any accreditation. If you are a social media manager, there, there's no degree for that anymore. It, we're, we're just entering the wild west of this world. It's harder to be a business manager at McDonald's than it is to be a business manager of Hillary <laughs> Bank's money. I can completely agree with that. But that's where we spend the episode with Carlton and Hillary dealing with the fact that she's being audited. And Carlton's advice is to wear skin tight latex. The most powerful weapon in the world is a beautiful woman. That's very deep of you. I'm just saying, you know, there there are certain things that uh, that will never change. All right. Okay. All right. So speaking of things that never change, uh, Uncle Phil is very reluctant to change his mind about inviting people to the wedding. And Will does not have the strength to stand up to him, neither emotional or physical. Yeah, so, he's, he's kind of uh, limited. So they do what anyone would do. They send Lisa running off to her daddy and have Fred deal with it. Yeah, see, here's the thing. Fred was, he was great. He was great. He he was on the kid's side. You know, he, he likes Will. He loves Lisa. And uh, he um he took a, about a million steps too far when he finally did confront Uncle Phil after the reluctancy from him. Yeah, because all Will and Lisa wanted was for Uncle Phil to say, Okay, I understand. You want to invite some people so you can have a few more people to invite. If if Uncle Phil had just said that, everything would have been great. That's not where Fred took it to. Fred decided he was going to pay for the wedding in Cleveland. Whoa, uh, yeah. Uh, LeBron is still a little kid, so there's nothing really that special about Cleveland. Which you pair that with the fact that we're talking Cleveland in May, which means the temperature could literally be anywhere from 82 degrees to negative 12 degrees. Not good margins. No, not good margins at all. And that's where Will and Lisa decide to do the craziest thing that they've done in their relationship. What? What's that? They decide to elope to Vegas. Mm. I think everybody who has tried to plan a wedding has fantasized about it. Because you, you get to a certain point where it's like, you know what? Screw it. Why does everybody need to be fed? It's our day. You know what? Let's just do it right now. Well, that's the thing about it. It's like I understand the appeal of just getting married. And maybe it's just because it was the 90s, but 
Vegas just feels like a certain level of cheese that I don't know if I could handle. We see it in this episode. The level of cheese of their wedding is HAL 9000. Yeah, the, the level of cheese secrecy and dirt that is on your your marriage from getting married in Vegas. You got to be able to live with that forever. Which you pair that with the fact that it's so much easier just to go to City Hall. But you, uh, look, I tried. I tried. (laughs) I made the option from across the room, close to the door, with the door unlocked and my hand behind my back just in case I needed to run out. That is not sexy. That's never a win. All right. It gets the job done, though. That That's the thing, is that at the very least, it would have been Will and Lisa doing it their way. Yeah. But instead, they go to Vegas. Because let's be honest, from a sitcom standpoint, it's a heck of a lot more interesting to go to Vegas. Yeah, not Lompoc or somewhere else. or not, yeah, Laughlin. I could, ooh, Laughlin. I, ooh, wow, Laughlin. Jeez, I don't even know people who plan weddings to get married anywhere near Laughlin. Laughlin is a place you drive through. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. But alas, the key in all of this is that Phil is woken up by Fred early in the morning, about 4.30, and he finds a note saying that Will and Lisa decide to run off to Vegas. Now, What really pushed the two of them over the edge, the two of them being Will and Lisa, was that Fred and Phil were having a dick measuring competition in all of this. Yeah, well, that happens when you get two uh, alpha male dads of a certain size. Even more than that, it became about money, it became about power, and when in-laws don't like each other... That can torpedo a wedding faster than sleeping with a bridesmaid. There's there's no good way out of that one. So when Will and Lisa decide to run off, Fred and Phil find some common ground. Because all of a sudden, they went from having to spend a lot of money to having to spend no money at all. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, what do they call those? Uh, those flash deals for, for flight tickets on <laughs> Tuesday morning, say around uh, midnight to like 3 a.m.? Yep. So they decide uh, there's nothing to do but have a beer. Side note in all of this, they didn't use Aunt Viv in this episode. Aunt Viv was off somewhere and they don't make any reference to it whatsoever she's just not there well i think okay i i heard what i was about to say next and you can judge me if you want to but i think having aunt viv in this episode would have hurt the dynamics of fred and uh phil go on because uh, the Aunt Viv character is clearly softer than the real Aunt Viv uh so Having her be the voice of reason, say, well, what does Lisa want? What does Lisa's mother want? When I was getting married, it would have taken a a Charmin turn. Okay, I understand and respect that. However, you got to admit, it's a little weird that when it's 4.30 in the morning and your surrogate son disappears, that you're just still in bed? Come on. Um, I, I don't know. 
Maybe book club was just so exciting. I don't know. There's there's no speculation here. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but this is where we jump back into life with Hillary getting audited. And guess what? There's a turn. There's a crazy turn. You know what it is? Uh, they're, they're not being audited. They just want an autograph. Hillary's auditor is a woman. So, so the whole strategy goes out the window? Not entirely, because uh, for whatever reason, she seems really into Carlton. Oh, well, she is in uh, a very mature woman who knows exactly what she wants. And I think uh, she's zeroed in on uh, young Republican Carlton here. I guess because, okay, we know everything there is to know about Carlton. We know about his neuroses. We know about his greed. We know about his nerdiness. If you don't know about any of that and you just take him at face value, he is a young, attractive, articulate man who is going to inherit a lot of money. Yeah, it's good to hitch your boat to that. (laughs) And she is a government employee that works for the most hated department of the government. So maybe we can see how she would find life with a slightly shorter yet still attractive African-American man appealing. You know, I feel like any relationship that would have gone on for longer than three months would be Carlton making a master plan of how he can make millions of dollars and pay 1% tax on all of it and get away with it. That's going to be Carlton's thing till the day he dies, trying to figure out just how to get away with things. But he has, he'd have an IRS agent in his bed. The pillow talk would be so off the books. I don't even want to think about it, to be honest. <laughs> it's how uh, math teachers fantasize. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> did, did I make it a visual? Was it a real place? Yeah, it got too real there. Way too real. But again, this is Carlton. So rather than, I don't know, doing what I figure an average single person would do, which would be just sleep with the attractive IRS lady, for some reason he feels the need to blackmail her by recording her hitting on him and threatening to take it to her bosses unless she agrees to absolve Hillary of all responsibility in this. Yeah, either way, he wins and Hillary wins. So, I mean, I just see it as an alternate strategy that only he would pick. I guess, but it's got to be a weird place in Carlton's mind. Well, you know, there are some people who uh, deny themselves of certain pleasures even though they don't really have to. And that is Carlton in a nutshell. Yeah. But that's the last we hear of any of that, other than him bragging about it, because the crux of the rest of the episode comes down to Will and Lisa running off to Vegas and having a Shaft-themed wedding. That's love, okay? Let let me just say that right now. Uh, Any wife that will agree to that, that's love. I feel like we need to talk a little bit about Shaft, primarily because I was talking with my cousin the other day, who is not young. I mean, she's she's 28. She, she sh- should know who Shaft is. 
and yet uh, i want to say the cutoff well yeah you're right she should know she should have a, a knowledge of it at least through samuel l and that's the one that she knew of but she didn't know of the richard roundtree one yeah it's kind of like how certain people think the odd couple is a new show not only is it not a new show it's not even like the newest incarnation of the show yeah it's like on version five or seven but it's already gone now so sadly but shaft will never disappear shaft no in fact i i feel like we're, we're due for a new shaft at some point in the future so in this universe is shaft like the guy well no obviously richard roundtree is gonna be it but you know shaft is like a a close second for samuel l yeah, but simultaneously, it's 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 just really tough because when they tried to remake Shaft, and technically it wasn't a remake, it was a reboot because Richard Roundtree was in it mm-hmm. playing original Shaft, they couldn't quite recapture what Shaft was, which was the first movie by African-Americans starring African-Americans that white America was truly interested in seeing. Yeah, it was a hit. Yeah. And technically, it was the first breakout black exploitation movie, even though it was the second black exploitation movie after a little film that nobody's heard of called Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Yeah. See, there's uh, this thing called uh, an industry plant. This is about as close as we're going to get around the original Shaft era because black exploitation films were great in their grandiose and you couldn't really recreate it without everything in that time happening. And there was a a special oeuvre, if you will, about black exploitation movies because they had very little money and they shared a certain DNA with horror films because they took what little they had and turned it into as much as they possibly could, which in the case of Shaft was quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, all you really have to do is just kind of go up and down the block and say, hey, can I film you? And most pimps would say yes. Yeah, but I feel like the pimp, as we know it today, no longer exists. Well, the pimp as we know it today is the the slick talking guy who has all the girls. Uh, that's just one aspect of a pimp. A uh, pimp is uh, it's a multi layered individual, and it's not all good. I suppose, but not that I'm speaking from experience. But I would have to imagine that a lot of the uh, pimping that they used to say ain't easy got considerably easier like most things thanks to the internet. Yeah, because it it, it kind of created this weird thing where uh, you didn't have to try and uh, convert somebody or turn somebody into a pimp's property. They kind of volunteered because they thought it was cool. And yeah, we're going to leave it right there because yeah. for this for this actual wedding, they do a weird thing where they have the real Isaac Hayes play an Isaac Hayes impersonator. 
if if you look at the story of Isaac Hayes, Shaft was really the one for him, you know? So even though he might have not wanted it to be the one for him, it was the one for him. So I think on that side of it, it was funny. What's odd is that he had a very unique career in that the first thing he was known for was singing Shaft. So much so that when they did the Samuel L. reboot, they basically pulled a James Earl Jones and said, we're not going to get somebody new to cover Shaft. We're just going to bring back in Isaac Hayes to re-record it. Yeah. And that's not a bad gig. But then he had this whole second life as the voice of Chef on South Park. It, it It's kind of like how I put um, Keanu Reeves. Go on. After a while, he's just playing Keanu Reeves in different character names. But he does it so well. Exactly. And it's kind of like you said, James Earl Jones. We'll never have another voice as distinctive as James Earl Jones. And it's kind of the same thing with Shaft. So anything Shaft, it's got to stay as original as possible. I can't argue with you there, but... Apparently, Will and Lisa can argue with themselves because even though they thought it was a really good idea to have a 70s-themed Shaft wedding, instead of going through with it, they're just a little overwhelmed by the off-key backup singers and the quote-unquote original song that fake Isaac Hayes, played by real Isaac Hayes, made up for them while they were saying their vows. Who's the black Philly man that's going to take this fine woman's hand? Smith! That's fine. It's me. You're damn right. It's kind of like if somebody wanted a, I don't know, like a Sting or a Madonna-themed uh, wedding, you don't ever expect the person of Sting's caliber or uh, Madonna's caliber to actually do it. So you always just assume, man, that that lookalike is is a really good lookalike. But that becomes the true beauty in all of this, that Shaft makes them realize that they have given themselves the Shaft. <laughs> this episode has been been this episode has been brought to you by inappropriate uh use of the word shaft we are <laughs> merely talking about the character okay correct and what they end up doing is they end up leaving before fake isaac hayes played by real isaac hayes is able to have them say their vows so that they can go back to bel-air and have their big wedding there pretty much i mean if you have somebody okay let, let me speak to everybody who is young and single and is still uh ignorant of the stresses of throwing a simple party for your friends and family in the name of a wedding if somebody offers to pay large amounts of cash for you to have a wedding take it be grateful but take it this is true because weddings, when done well and everybody's happy, are fun. Yes. There, there's a, a certain thing that 
certain people feel about weddings where it's like, I just want this day to be over with when that's not the, the spirit of a wedding, but when it's been kind of uh, a melting pot of ideas with friends and family, like, Oh my God, I have the perfect idea for your wedding. Here's what you need to do. Run. <laughs> you know what? How about we have a suggestion box and then everybody puts our suggestions in it. And what are we going to do at the end of the month with that suggestion box? We're going to burn it. Yeah, that's the primary thing, is that when you are getting married, if you are a woman, it is your wedding. That's simple. You are allowed to demand certain things without being a bridezilla. Yes. Don't go crazy. Don't yell. But just say, no, this is how it's going to be. And if someone tries to fight you on it, speak to them rationally and do not run off crying. Oh, God. that That's just, it's it's unfair when they cry. Because <sighs> everybody looks like a jerk. But yeah. Lisa was a great bride. I will say that much. And you, I will give her some credit. She had some moves when they danced down the aisle to the Shaft theme. Yeah, that's the kind of person you want to marry. Somebody who subscribes to all of your crazy yes if you can find that mm, you are a very lucky man yeah you're winning correct so this is where we run back to bel-air at the very end of this episode and will and lisa say okay guys you win you get to spend all that money on us so we can have a big fancy wedding at which point phil and fred say nope sorry you guys lost your chance. Uh, we're going to do it here in the garden, and I'm going to go spend the deposit that I put down to get the country club on the day and buy a new golf cart. See, here's the thing. First and foremost, golf carts, uh, as high-tech as they are now, they're still just generic, and they go kind of slow. So if you get an extra five miles per hour, you might as well just... Just go get you an ATV. Yeah, but that's the thing. You can't take an ATV on a golf course. The whole point is that it needs to be light enough that it's not going to mess up the green. That's true. But I feel like Fred would come in an ATV. Fred might come in a tractor just to piss off the country club people. Uh, you know what? Fair point, however. Been to Cleveland a few times. Not many tractors. Okay, so I guess he the would, golf cart's a win. He would probably show up in a, a Ford F-150 <laughs> with tires made in Akron. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's a very fair assessment. But, you know, uh, as long as the banks have security, uh, I think this wedding's going to be okay unless, you know, they're just inviting all of Bel Air and leaving their Which, gates open. Maybe they will. You never know. The Reagans are neighbors, so, you know, it might work out for them. The Reagans are neighbors. The Spellings are neighbors. There's just so many neighbors that they could be inviting. Yeah. I mean, Johnny Carson was still alive at this time. He lived in Bel Air. Yeah. So then Hillary should have a much bigger and better show by now. Hey, listen, back in the day, at this time... Daytime TV was huge, huge. Remember, that's when Oprah was in every household. Ooh, you are correct. 
and everybody was coming after her. Nobody could come close, but they tried. Every every network tried every day. Yeah, and then when she left, there were a lot of weird people that showed up in daytime. A yeah. lot of weird people. Yeah, but Hillary's good, so uh, she'll stay out of jail. She'll have time to make a better show. And alas, that is the end of the episode. A couple of points we missed. Uh, Ashley is sitting there throughout all of this and just watching and says the most poignant thing I think we've heard out of her in the entire series, which is, I must be the Marilyn Munster of this family. Yeah. And I, we all know it. We all know Ashley is the moral compass of this family, but she would be the one who uh, would be paid not to write a tell-all book. Yeah, but at the same time, she has her own dirt, too. You know, the life is a failed pop star. Never looks good on anyone. Yeah, everything looks desperate after that. Anything else we need to cover in this episode? Anything uh, else we're missing? Well, you know, I, d- I did enjoy one of my uh, favorite moments where the backup singers officially got to Will when uh, he was trying to be a grown man and be a loving husband and give his vows, he realized his his childhood dreams just there weren't any room for him anymore when he screamed at the back of singers. Well put. Very well put. But and I mean, apparently let, let's not discount the fact that he did get his wife to agree to a shaft wedding. That's persuasiveness. You know what? Never underestimate the things that you can get a person to do when they are under a great amount of stress like Lisa was in that moment. Yeah. So I guess that just about covers this episode. Thank you so much for listening. What did you think of this episode? And was this experience anything like your attempt to get married or anything related to your relationship? Let us know at SoFreshSoPrince.com. And if you haven't already, like us on Facebook Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SoFreshSoPrince. We're on Tumblr. We're on SoundCloud. We're on the internet. And you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Andrew Apple, A-P-P-E-L. And on Instagram, I'm at Mr. Andrew Apple, A-P-P-E-L. Lorenzo, where can they find you? Uh, They can find me at 1234. I'm joking. You can find me at It's Griffey on pretty much all platforms. And you should be following him just like you should be following us. Even if a lot of the stuff we're posting on Instagram recently is just reposts of Will Smith on Instagram. Yeah, look, I found a great uh, gift of Carlton doing the Carlton in a Michael's jacket, a thriller jacket at that. Ooh, make sure to send that to me. I'm still trying to figure out the best way to do something with that. <laughs> Touche. Well, thank you all so much for listening. And please remember, above all else, whatever you do and however you do it, make sure you stay so fresh. So print. So Fresh So Prince is a Bitten from the Apple production produced by Andrew Apple and Lorenzo Gordon. Music by Griffey Majors. 